Hey everyone, this is Matt and Lucas here with a quick pre-roll for you. Uh, some of you may have heard there have been some absolutely tragic fires going on in Maui with unfortunate loss of life and just a lot of destruction in the cities over there. So we'll be including a donation link if you'd like to help support them over there. Please consider. Yeah, uh, check out the link tree in any of our social media platforms. You could also find it on thanksforplaying.live. Uh, we'll be shouting it out in our Discord as well. So definitely people will be uh, hopefully donating. Um these are really tough times. You know, it's always tough to see these kinds of things. I think visually, it's very difficult. I know a lot of Americans, a lot of our audience has probably been to the beautiful locations in Hawaii, and hopefully uh, people will find it in their hearts to uh, give what they can to the tragic events that have happened. So yep. on with the show. Thanks, guys. Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Oh! Woo! Watashiwa Matthewson. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. That's right, baby. We got some good games coming up today, and I promise that'll come full circle. That wasn't just me being a weeb. Um Wow, we're back. We're Matt back. And Lucas. Matt and Lucas. Yeah. Um, I hope people are cool with it just being me and you for the first time in probably a while, several months for sure. I know. I know. Hylet has really done some marketing campaigns recently, and I feel like half the Discord are just people that are his homies now. I know. Um, <laughs> I know. Which is great. I'm happy for that. Um, but uh, Hot Mickey's definitely got his own fan base. Uh, Milkman, Chambers, pulling as well. It's uh, it's good stuff. The, you know, I, I'm, the TFP network is... Is growing, and I'll be honest. When Lucas first mentioned expanding and just bringing on more people and more contributors, I was definitely a little anxious about it. Just because you know, releasing like in it, to an extent, creative control over your stuff is a little nerve wracking, but uh, it's worked out. I'd say. Yeah, and now we have ourselves a classic episode today. Just Lucas and Matt, hopefully not getting at each other's throats over this game. Um, we haven't talked about the game as usual um, with our classic recording video game reviews here uh not talking about the game ahead of time i have no idea what you're thinking about this game but if you don't like this game matt i'm gonna be so fucking pissed uh Bro, this no, was... no. We'll, we'll get into it but um gosh yeah no, I, mean, I realized it more too because especially after i mean i've always known this but especially just after we saw um what do we see oppenheimer I just got reminded that you and I really do just have a different taste, which is a good thing, generally speaking, at least for content. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, generally speaking, I think when uh, that's how like our audience will know if Lucas and Matt both like the game, it's probably seriously worth playing. And then other yeah. people, you know, I think there's definitely the Matt apologists out there that are for you on your side. They're into uh, the yeah. things that you're into. So if you like the game and I'm lukewarm on it, then they know that they can go play it, right? And then there's the Lucas truthers out here who are on my side about things and they know that if I like the game, they're going to like the game and the Lucas truthers are on the right side of history for sure. Goddamn. All right. We'll let, uh, <laughs> we'll let the viewers decide that one. And in fact, if you have any opinions on that, on who's on the right side of history, myself or Lucas Luna, um, you can shoot us an email at thanksplayingpod at gmail.com. As well, you can also find our website, thanksplaying.live, where you can find some great written content by some of our awesome contributors. As well, um, you can also find a... 
link to our Discord there. And then additionally as well, if you go to our social media handles at TFP Podcasts, that's at TFP Podcasts with an S at the end, 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 geez, end, end, S at the end, you can find a um, link tree to the Discord as well. I might be I might be skipping some words today here, folks, and stuttering a bit. Um, Lucas rung me pretty good today, sparring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, I don't. Do we want to talk about that? I feel bad. I think it's funny. I mean, it's. I would I would have been mad if you kept wailing on me after I was on the ground. <laughs> no, no, I would never do that. Are we? Are, are, have we talked about the sparring before? I don't think we have, but um, I took some boxing classes recently, and Lucas has done a good amount of kempo. I think it is right. Is mm-hmm. that correct? And also, my dad was a boxer. It's in the blood. It's in the blood. So we both decided to um, do start doing some sparring, and it's been fun, and it works pretty well actually. Because you and I are basically the same height, so like the reach is pretty similar, and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, usually like we're pretty good about not like smacking each other really bad. You know, we're just having fun. But today, um, I like was trying to go for lower punches, and then the way I went low, like I just. I don't know exactly. I don't really remember, but like I just ate Lucas's punch like right. In, like I leaned into it kind of unintentionally. Um, yeah, and stunned me for a good hot second. The next thing I know, I was on the ground. <laughs> yeah, Matt. Matt kept leaning in for some like sort of underhanded like right hooks to the body for me, and then he he went down a little too far, went in a little too fast, and then I caught him with kind of like an overhead. I caught him with an overhead, and that's kind of yeah. what happened right there. Yeah, yeah. using Street Fighter terms. It's good though. It's good. It keeps you humble. Yeah. Well, hopefully um, you're feeling okay, man. I felt bad after hitting you. I was like, oh, like, yeah. I felt I felt really bad. We stopped. <laughs> we did no. We stopped sparring immediately. Um, there was a girl. It was not a area. UFC situation. Yeah, I do think she said she looked so confused. And, like, was like, she? Sure. Was she? Was like she was there the whole time. She was like stretching yeah. before we got there, and then she was stretching even like after we were done. Yeah, it's like uh, for context. This is like at our climbing gym. There's like a shared studio space where we can do like whatever in the whole classes and stuff. And yeah, there was just this one girl doing her thing in there, and she was really looking at us after I was on the ground. It was it was quite humorous. Um, yeah. I appreciate her concern. Nice lady. Yeah, yeah. Um, You're all good now, so that's good. good now. We can talk uh, talk about uh, the great ghost of Tsushima. Yes, that is right, everyone. Today we are playing the number one samurai simulator, ghosts. Of Tsushima. That's right. The 9 out of 10 from IGN, 9.5 from Destructoid, 7 out of 10 from GameSpot, 87 out of 100 on Metacritic, third person open world action adventure game by Sucker Punch Productions. Matt, have you played a lot of Sucker Punch games before this one? So I played. I was actually, I didn't realize <clears throat> that this was their history, but they've done um, really every, the biggest things they've done, the main things, the only things really, um, they've done all the Sly Cooper games and then Infamous. I yeah. played a couple of the Sly Cooper games. I want to. I didn't play the original. I played two and three on my PlayStation 2 growing up. Yeah. Um, and then I played a little bit of Infamous 2, I think is the one I played, um, just because it was on the whatever the PS5's game pass is. Um, so I was playing a bit of that. Didn't really give it too much time, but I, I played a lot of Sly Cooper growing up. So I'm, I'm glad to know that I've dove into this this developer before because yeah, pretty good. Pretty cool. Um, I mean, they've been operating since uh, Nintendo 64, their first game, Rocket, Robot on Wheels from 1999. Yep. Um, the Sly Cooper games, I missed a little bit when I was a kid. Um, 
you know, we had a PS2, but we just, for some reason, we just missed the Sly Cooper games. It was a full trilogy, Sly Cooper and uh, the Thievius Raccoonus, Sly 2 and Sly 3, um, from 2002 to 2005. Probably a series that's uh, in need of a little bit of a reboot. I know a lot of people really like Sly. Um, And Infamous, also a little bit under the radar for me. I actually thought that, I don't know why I thought this, Matt, but I thought that you had been a bigger infamous fan or you had played some infamous. it's it, it definitely is the type of game i would usually play um because they really started coming out in the ps3 and ps4 era, and i didn't own either of those consoles ever um my sister had a ps4 and a ps3 but i didn't have one myself so i never really dove into those but i mean it's definitely in my wheelhouse just there's so many games to play so yeah yeah and this one uh ghost of tsushima is pretty cool i mean i think this is largely considered to be their greatest game um, sort of oh, a magnum opus. Yeah. Uh, I, man, uh, jumping into initial thoughts. Uh, hell yeah, this this game was really, really, really awesome. Uh, Matt and I both played the PS5 version. Just a little quick disclaimer for everybody out there. Um, and wow, um, pretty much every aspect of the game blew me away. Uh, refreshing to see a complete non, like a, a completely new, fresh, like, I guess, franchise. I don't know if they're going to be like a whole lot more Ghost of Tsushima titles in, in the next generation or the generation to come, but just not playing like a, like an Assassin's Creed open world thing, or even like, I'm not, I, I love Zelda, but Zelda's also part of a series. This was just a brand new thing. Um, and, you know, it's 2020 was- refreshing to play good new IP. Oh, seriously. I, I think yeah. no one would ever debate that. And also this came out like 2020. So we're we're a few years behind on this one, but 2020 was obviously a crazy year in general. And I think this game just the way 2020 worked out, uh, you know, and the way like generations were going, it was really hard to get a hold of the next gen console. Um, 2020 was the release for PS5 and Series S, right? If I'm not mistaken, or was it mm-hmm. late 2020 or early 2021? I want to say holiday 2020. Yeah, so it was it was kind of hard to play the games yeah, uh, from 2020 in the ways that they sh- were really intended. I know that obviously Cyberpunk 2077 suffered from this as well, and you could even see the Metacritic rating for the PS4 version dips like five six points for Ghost of Tsushima. So it's fair to say that this is the way that it's it's really meant to be played. Next gen, super fast load times, beautiful, absolutely stunning, stunning graphics. Um, but enough, enough of what I thought, initial thoughts, Matt, what do you, what do you got? Well, real quick, before we dive in any further, I want to give a brief synopsis for those that maybe don't know much about the game. Just let them know what's cracking so they can kind of have some context to what we're fully talking about here. So, uh, Ghost of Tsushima is an action adventure game set in feudal Japan during the late 13th century. That's the 1200s. (laughs) The game follows the story of Jin Sakai. A skilled samurai and one of the last survivors of the noble Sakai clan. The island of Tsushima, where Jin resides, is invaded by the Mongol Empire, led by the ruthless Koten Khan. Jin faces a moral dilemma as he realizes that the traditional ways of the samurai might not be enough to protect his homeland from the Mongol invasion. As he witnesses the devastation from the invaders, Jin decides to adopt unconventional tactics, embracing the role of the ghost, a stealthy, cunning warrior who uses guerrilla tactics to fight the Mongols. Throughout the game, his player's guide as he navigates the beautiful yet war-torn landscape of Tsushima, employing a mix of samurai combat and stealthy assassin skills. Players will engage in intense sword fighting duels, and explore the island's diverse environment, and interact with various characters, each with their own unique stories and quests. Hell yeah, brother. 
Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. So, so what'd you, well, all that, all that, what'd you think of the game, Matt? Initial thoughts. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna lie. It started out very slow for me. Um, it's kind of interesting that such a narrative of what I heard about this game. Cause even there's a guy in my work. Um, I talk to a lot about video game shout outs to, um, Harrison. Um, all I've heard about this game was how beautiful it was and how amazing it was. And I don't know why, but the opening didn't really grab me. Like I thought the sequence I agree. itself was cool, but I'm like, this looks very fine. And frankly, and I hold this throughout the whole game. The water looks really fucking bad. Like it's very wow. bad water. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. I think even other games from that timeline, like, I don't know. I just, I'm very disappointed with how the water looks. You're used know. to the 2077 water. That water shit too. <laughs> <laughs> water might just be hard, Matt. I think water is hard, but like, I don't know. I was just, even like wading through it looked bad. I was just kind of mm-hmm, disappointed mm-hmm. in that. Um, I'll give you that. But I mean, the opening sequence is, is very lit. Um, you know, you're riding down samurai, fighting alongside samurai, chasing Kotun Khan as he's arriving. You know, it's, it's a very strong opening. Um, and, you know, I mean, it, it kind of makes a statement in the beginning. Like, this game, it's not hard, but it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, it does have a solid learning curve to it. Kind of reminded me a little bit, actually, Luke, I'd love your thoughts on this. A little bit reminded me of Sifu just with the... Excuse me, I completely with the, agree. With the parries and, like, knowing switching to stances to, like, break through shields and things like that. Um, really gave me Sifu vibes, and I was pretty bad at Sifu. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know it it's 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 fun and i'm excited to talk some more about it and um we can jump into the the story here um yeah i i actually the story is one of the high points for me of this game Mm -hmm, Um, me too i loved Jin's journey i think watching him go from being like this because you know it's it's awesome too because like you know how and ridiculous he's being and how ridiculous the samurai obsession with honor is right and you're so frustrated when in the beginning when you is like bro let's just like hide yeah like, i know <laughs> and, dude. And, and just i think there's one moment in the very beginning after you're gonna saves you when you're first like navigating through the camp where she's like quit shit like over here like we'll go we'll we'll sneak around and get him and stab him in the back and then jen's like fight me oh no, yeah yeah <laughs> i know it's just like Oh my god! I'm like, oh, so it's gonna be that kind of game, huh? But watching him go from you know fighting with honor to then you know okay, kind of compromising to practic for the practicality of it, just understanding his situation, and then to truly you know embracing the role of the ghost and kind of disregarding the the samurai. Um, what was so fun to see, and you know, I think too, and kind of in, I think there's a stereotype with like japan being obsessed with things like honor and stuff like that um and i i enjoyed seeing that kind of subverted and seeing you know kind of um like the pitfalls of it shown point in case being like lord shimura getting a lot of his people killed because he's so obsessed with honor and so obsessed in the fact that he's even willing to try and spoiler alert kill his own nephew who he considers a son right um so yeah just so so great and then i didn't have that much time to dive in some of the side quests i did a few um, I did some of Lady Masakao's um, and some of the uh, Sensei Ishiwaka, I think was his name, the, the mm-hmm. archer. 
Yeah. A couple others. I didn't really have too much time to fully dive into it, but I mean, they're really cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. I spent a lot of time doing side quests during the first two acts of the game. Um, in fact, a lot of my time was getting lost in, in the side quests. If I could go back and just play the game, uh, you know, it's it's hard, obviously, with our schedules to give as much time to any game that we play on this podcast. But honestly, just getting lost in the side quests of this game was was such a joy for me. Um, I never have fun clearing out enemy camps in games, um, you know, like fallout for like a, a new settlement needs your help like that is just such a pitfall of like open world games for me but i truly do feel like ghost of tsushima actually nailed it um i think games like the witcher nail that kind of thing too where your you clearing a camp out actually has some sort of permanent effect on the world and reveals part of the map of the surrounding area which then leads to another objective i just thought the way that you slowly revealed the map by doing side objectives was really really clever um, going to objectives was really fun too, because there was no mini map and the wind guided you to everything. And I thought that was really beautiful. Um, haven't seen that ever done before in a game. It was refreshing. I felt nice and refreshed on the horse. Like it, it's crazy how, like, uh, I almost felt like when I would play the game, cause it's, it's been a hot summer here in LA, right, Matt? Um, playing the game and like the speaker from the PlayStation controller, combined with like some of the rainy or cold biomes on Tsushima, I truly did feel like transported out of my hot apartment into like a nice wintry landscape biome on Tsushima. Like that's how, that's how well done the sound and the art and the overall vibe of the game really felt for me. Yeah. Something the game did really well too, was just really utilize the like haptic, not well, really yeah. haptic feedback, just the, but, the everything uh, that the ps5 the controller can do yeah no, well the noise um like the trigger like sensitivities when it came to yeah. like pulling yeah. your like drawing your bow and arrow like that was super sick yeah like the game was really firing on all cylinders with the ps5 controller for sure yeah it's good to see those kind of games take uh yeah. take advantage of it I, I, is this only on ps5 Lucas, or was it on no it's ps4 PC as well as well yeah it's i think it's on, on ps4 and ps5 yeah no pc I don't believe it's on PC. Still someone might. I'm sure someone's playing it on PC right now, though. Damn, I mean, we need uh, hot Mickey right now. I uh, <laughs> I got I got something fun for you, Matt. This game came out in 2020, and it did not win Game of the Year. Uh, it had a really really tough competition in 2020. What, what else uh, came out in 2020? I, I'm talking. So I'm talking BAFTA here, uh, which is the uh, overall British, body that right? we. Yeah, yeah, that's the body that we. It's very well respected. I personally like to use BAFTA a lot. Um, there's also the Game Awards, which is a good metric. I'm showing the BAFTA one. It was up against Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Last of Us Part Two, Half-Life Alex, Animal Crossing New Horizons, and Hades. And it lost to Hades. And all of these lost to Hades, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it did win, uh, spoiler alert, uh, I was going to talk about this in sound design, it did win a BAFTA for audio achievement that year, which is really cool. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think Ghost of Tsushima came out during a time where not i, I think there's just so many large properties i mean everything i just named on here except for hades was part of a very storied really well-loved franchise so there's so many great franchise games to play in 2020 and you know just just the inability to get a hold of a next-gen console back then to not play the best version of the game and then finally you know it coming out you know being more widespread available ps5s and things like that i think the game is probably going to see like a really long kind of life cycle here hopefully um, and I hope that people are going to listen to this episode and and maybe pick up the game. <laughs> uh, assuming yeah. people get a, get a hold of a PS5, I know there's a, a high barrier to entry there. But uh, when when did the game click for you, Matt? When would you say? 
if it didn't Once, grab you at the beginning. Yeah, it, I think the combat starts not slow, but you might feel a bit limited, um, which I definitely did personally. Um, but once you really start unlocking more of the the ghost weapons, it really picked up for me. Quite yes, a bit. same. And something I do want to mention that I really liked just about the game's progression was the fact that to get like, um, for the most part, to unlock like the ghost weapons, you didn't have to like do specific missions. It was just a natural like level up thing, which I enjoyed because um, there were some weapons that were unlocked their missions and that's fine. But I, I liked that for the most part, I could build out my kit just kind of by playing the game, which is cool. Yeah. Cause then it gives you more incentive to do like some of the cool, um, you know, clearing camps of Mongols or like side quests or whatever. Um, one more thing on story, Lucas, that I wanted your thoughts. I, at least in the main quest line, maybe more in the side quest that you did, you got more of this, but Obviously, we know Jin's father was killed before his eyes, but I maybe I missed it. But did, I, we didn't get a lot of context about bandits just killed just his bandits. dad. Yeah, yeah, I think that was the overall explanation. Was you know his bandits came through in the middle of the night. We're gonna kill his dad. He failed to save his dad, and then he kind of we got samurai, bro. He was fully <laughs> kitted out, and the, man. That's your takeaway. Yeah, bro, he was fully kitted out. He was so ready for those bandits. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, My man. Jin also kind of was a huge coward, so it's kind of his own. This is uh, really his fault. Uh, I mean, I think Jin's a better samurai than he ever was. Better fighter, well, he's also least. fighting dishonorably, though, Matthew. Bro, I could have, I could take a whole Mongol camp, but I just do <laughs> that's um, I'm pretty disappointed in the, the Sakai clan, but I guess that's neither. No, mm-hmm. Sakai. Yeah, Jin Sakai, yeah. Um, damn, just bandits. Yeah, like, just bandits. I know. Cooler. I wish it could have been something cooler, but just bandits. I believe it was. Yeah. Shout out to um the OG Lord Lord Sakai. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So for me, I think it it really did click. I, same thing. I was gonna say. I actually wrote this down. A second or third big upgrade with the ghost weapons. Probably when I got like the smoke bomb. I took te- I took kunai and uh, smoke bombs first as my as my ghost weapons and. Having those things, man, it was awesome. Like, that's when the game really started entering its, like, really solid combat phase. I think, Kunai like... in particular were, like, super helpful. Dude, they were, like, broken, honestly. They yeah. were so good. It's, like, the first thing I upgraded all the way. Um, but, yeah, just... I went, like, kind of an assassin build, so I, like, upgraded my sneaking stuff very, very well. I upgraded my hearing. Um, I I loved sneaking around and assassinating in this game. I thought it was awesome. Uh uh, we could we could jump into game design. I'm kind of talking game design right now. Cool with that. Uh, one one quick thing. I really enjoyed um, Ryuzu's just like kind of following his storyline. Um, he was oh man, I hated him so much. He sucked, but I I appreciated they included someone that was like, man, I'm just kind of looking out for myself and my boys. Like yeah, I, but I, like, I think that's a very realistic take on like how someone would react during that situation. At, I just at some point like I had killed so many straw hat Ronin and I was like, how many boys does he have left? He's right. To feed? Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> I've killed like all of them. There's no way because like there's a really funny moment where like you kill like a couple dozen and like in the story for the quest line for the straw hat Ronin, there's not that many. There's like it's like a ragtag team. There's maybe like I know half it's, a dozen. It's, it looks a dozen, like it's like, a, like ten or fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, cool. and then I kill like ten or fifteen, and then he's like, I, "My men must eat Jin," and I'm like, "Bro, <laughs> they're dead. I killed them." Uh, so yeah, that was a little yeah. I was cognitive dissonance because then too, when you go to like to that, uh, I was gonna call it that's 
the place um like the hidden little village where you find the the pirate smuggler to get the you yeah know, like the message to the mainland they were ronin there but they weren't doing shit to me. I was very confused by that. Yeah, there was a little bit. There's, It's just video game cognitive dissonance, I think, like where the thing that you do in the game doesn't match with the story of the game just because of the order yeah. of events and whatnot. I just thought it was weird, though, because that was like a main storyline thing. Like it would all should have been sequential. Maybe there's like different like groups of Ronin, perhaps. You know, I don't know. Maybe. Um, Maybe. But yeah, game design. Um, we've already kind of dove into it. The combat is fun. Uh extremely fun once you start getting the ghost weapons you know you have the kunai which really kind of opens up like literally just lets you open up and start attacking your opponents um, by throwing them off balance and sometimes potentially even killing them you got the black powder bombs you got smoke bombs sticky bombs um wind chimes is one of them I think those are the main that was ones. the wind chime i don't think was a ghost weapon though was it not okay Mm-mm. i think it was just um, a, a weapon you get yeah, but for those that haven't played it, really, the game is essentially the combat, at least the sword play, is all about timing, blocking, and parrying. Um, so it's really kind of being mindful of, okay, here's the swing, now I need to press L1 so I can avoid this. Or, hey, looking at, oh, here comes um, an unblockable attack, I need to avoid that. And the game does a good job of letting you know when something is unblockable. It'll give you like a little red flash, you don't have to memorize attacks, which is good. Um, but it, it actually... it. it it builds it creates a pretty i don't know like authentic i guess sword experience is how it felt to me like oh that i can't just go in like an idiot because like if you just go in like an idiot they will just kill you like it is yeah it can't be mindless which is good yeah i i really loved the the game is really like contingent upon i guess the combat itself is contingent upon like modify modifier buttons i guess is the easiest way to say it like holding down r1 holding down r2 holding down l2 in order to like get into a certain stance pull out a certain weapon you have like four different ranged weapons that you can use and then on top of that within those ranged weapons you can actually use different weapons on those weapons so you can use your half bow and you can use like fire arrows on your half bow or you could use your heavy bow which has explosives arrows on it um you can use your thrown weapons which has firecrackers or uh, bells which help distract enemies and then you have your ghost weapons and then you have your four stances like moon stances and like all of this sounds really overwhelming i think if anyone jumped into the end game having no idea having played the game throughout the game it would be a super overwhelming experience for the combat but the way the game paces itself is you really don't unlock all four stances for a while um, yeah. You don't unlock all the ghost weapons until near the end of the game. And then by the end of the game, you've really come full, like all the way to the best version of your character. And I just remember, and then the last thing, dude, sicko mode. I got to talk about sicko mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah dude. Too. Just, oh my God. Yeah, that was, that's so awesome. I just, uh, you know, b- building up throughout the game to acquire all these different stances, acquire all these different weapons, you really do feel like a true a true warrior that's like using everything at his disposal, which really works within the context of the story too. Cause like, yeah, dude, I'm using Kunai. Why would I not throw a sticky bomb on this freaking Mongol? Like, (laughs) and then your uncle's like mad about you sneaking into a camp with a grappling hook. He's like, we don't do things that way. And I'm like, well, really? I mean, it was kind of easy, bro. Like it was like kind of sick actually. Like it was just you as the player really feel like, the sneaky way or like the more diverse options outside of just having standoffs with people with your sword is both safer, more fun and has better results. And then 
you know, honor dictates that you're not supposed to act that way. So I think that the game mechanics, the way they kind of end up linking up with the story and the tension there was awesome. Uh, I truly felt like, like it's, it's a pretty big trope, right? Like, Oh, we fight with honor or you got to do this for honor kind of thing. You hear that a lot in movies, like shows and stuff like that. But this was probably the most I ever felt it because I'm the one performing the act. Like if I were to fight with honor, I would have died. So I'm like, yeah, Yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, and the game too though it does give do well of giving you the options of like, oh, maybe I do just kind of want to go and guns blazing in this because especially there's a feature in this called standoff which is where essentially when you first encounter enemies you can kind of do more of like the samurai thing and really challenge them and basically kind of bait them in to where if you time it right you can kill them in one strike and then if you upgrade it um, that that skill tree you can get it to where more of like the dumbass friends will come charge again afterwards. <laughs> and I think you can get it up to three or three. four, three additional yeah. or three total. I think three total, three total. Yeah. Three or four total where you can just literally get, as long as your timing's right, which is pretty easy. Um, just start off killing three or four guys right away, which it's like, okay, was- do I want to kind of do this and go and guns blazing? Or do I want to um, be a little bit more sneaky? And you know, both are valid play styles, which is really cool. And two, if you use smoke bombs to get away, like you can kind of start hard and then back off a bit. And reset. Off and reset. That was, yeah, that was um, really sick. What was your build for the most part? I was um, really just running around with the kunai and the sticky bombs. And then once <laughs> I got like too many people on me, I would just throw a quick smoke, uh, smoke bomb and just do like a quick chain assassination. Yeah. Dude, smoke bomb yeah. chain assassination was probably the coolest thing. It's pretty lit. Yeah, yeah, it was super sick. It was so cinematically, like, it was it was so sick. Like, just yeah. in, with the way time slowed down and stuff. I loved it. Um, yeah, I, I do want to talk a bit more about the slaughtering options in the ghost dance. So slaughtering is something that you unlock once you fight uh, on behalf of the Yurikawa clan, um, mm-hmm. helping defend their home from the Mongols. And essentially, once you fight the Mongol leader there, um, which and you get a really cool like fight with Jin fighting this Mongol leader where he's kind of like taunting him at the end. He's like, oh, come on, bro. Like, can't kill me like that. Like, (laughs) just kind of talking shit. And then finally just slicing off his head in front of all the Mongols men and the Mongols are just freaking out. And by doing this, you unlock and also enter in the moment a thing called ghost mode, which is essentially you. Sicko mode. Sicko mode. Which is essentially you just in yeah in pure sicko mode. The game goes black and white. It looks like a true samurai movie, um, and it really just you, you literally one shot people, and they're terrified of you. They're running from you. It's incredible. Yes. Um, oh my god, dude, so good. And and then as well too. After that, that becomes a mode you can enter if you're able to kill enough enemies without getting hit. So, um, really really cool um, effect and really probably realistic to how people would react if they saw people getting slaughtered so um (laughs) that was great my only real knock gameplay wise would probably be i thought the platforming was a little weak um just like the climbing up mountains wasn't great um i didn't think that i mean the grappling was fun but like i I didn't think the grappling hook was very smooth um and there are a few moments too where i was riding my horse that like i just felt like the controls were a bit janky um like steering wasn't great there was a couple times too where I'd be like riding along, like a uh, like at cliff's edge or something, and then I would tilt my stick slightly to the left, and my horse would just eat itself off the side. Yeah, of the cliff. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? No, Sasora, stop! Like, um, 
so that was a little weird but and of course the horse would just get up like nothing happened video games i love it but um no all all around great um I want to talk about it a little bit too. We haven't had the. It's, I think it's. I don't know if you did this side quest, but I, I, it's like the intro side quest to the additional content, like the DLC content in the game for Iki Island, mm-hmm. where like the Mongols do the chanting. Did you get do that one? I didn't do that one. No. Oh, we'll talk about some crazy shit. So basically, um, I don't know too much about it, but like one of the side quests take you to a different area called Iki Island. Right. I know, um, about, I know about that. And the Mongols there are led by like Mongol priests, basically, who will do like singing and chants and drums to get the other Mongols hyped up so they're stronger. Um, and it sounds fucking terrifying. Oh hell yeah, dude! Um, okay, I'm gonna check out a video of this. Yeah, I only I only did one. It's only I only did that intro mission for it, and didn't actually do any of the additional content, so I didn't really get to explore it too much. But I was like, I, I didn't realize it was the intro content. I thought this was just the game starting to get more difficult. And I was like, oh, fuck. I don't want to hear these Mongols chanting. That's scary. <laughs> like, because I, I was genuinely stressed hearing it. It was it was quite terrifying, to be honest. That is sick. Um, so I might, I might, when I have some time, eventually go back and play that. But uh, yeah, really, really cool extra feature they threw in there for me. Yeah. yeah um, that sounds awesome. Yeah, definitely, definitely going to YouTube a little after this recording to check that out. Um, my final word on game design before we move on to art style. Um, I I think that, and we haven't really talked about it that much. The decision to have the wind be the guide and have there not be a mini map, I think is so sick. Like I remember hearing about that when this game first came out about like people really praising that aspect of the game. I thought it was seriously, seriously amazing. Uh, for those of you that don't know, basically um, when you set an objective in this game, it's like any open world game. There's a journal and a mini and a, and a map when you push pause that you can look at and when you set your objective on that map, the wind simply blows in the direction of that objective. There's no waypoint thing. There's no like arrow pointing you in the right direction. The thing that's pushing you in the direction of your objective is actually within the world, right? And it is it is just fantastic. Like when you're, it, it makes you focus on the environment that you're in. It focus it forces you to pay attention to like the way the grass is moving against the wind, the way yeah. the trees kind of breeze past, and then. Because of that, the game is able to do all sorts of other things. Like sometimes you'll be um, like looking, like going towards your objective, the wind is blowing, and then you're looking at the environment and you see a fox. And then there's like this thing where if you follow a fox, it'll take you to its den and you get like a little upgrade if you go to a fox's den and pray at that den. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes a little bird, like a yellow bird, will fly next to you on your horse and like tweet at you. And then it'll fly off to the side. And if you follow that, it'll actually lead to another side objective. So there's like all these little like nature call outs that were happening. And I just got totally sucked in. And like, I just be, I, I loved setting an objective and then following the wind towards that objective. Um, like I said, it's been hot and it felt, I literally felt cold, colder playing the game. Uh, I can't, I, that's, that's the best way I could describe it. I thought it was fantastic. And also the way the map is revealed is by doing these objectives. So you can like go to an objective on a map, which the map is not like filled in yet. It's kind of just like an icon on your map. You go there and you complete the objective and then it reveals parts of the area around that icon. So then you actually realize like, oh, there's actually another objective nearby. Let me go to that. And I swear I spent a whole afternoon just going, just doing that, just like unlocking the map, doing this objective, which unlocked another icon, which made me go to that objective. And it was, it was really cool. Yeah. 
it does a really good job of really encouraging and kind of just producing like really organic exploration, I guess, just by virtue of not following a linear line. Um, yeah, it, it's great. Um, that's the new way, dude. That's like that's how open open world like this, this and Zelda have done a fantastic job of like really mastering the open world concept of like, this is how you push a player in the right direction where they don't even really realize like it, it's not heavy handed. It's not like a waypoint marker. It's not a mini map. It's nothing like that. Like, yeah, it's just, it's just so sick. It's so artistic. It's so artful. It's like, so it, it, it cares so much about like what it's actually, what it's artists that worked on the game have put the work into. Like, it's really sad when you read that, you know, artists spend so much time making a world and like creating environments and like, just being creative only for the player to spend 90% of their time looking at the bottom left part of the screen where the mini map is, you know, like that's, that's truly like what ends up happening with games like that. And I think designers have really mastered the art of getting people to live in the world without the use of like that non-diegetic mini map. Yeah. I mean, cause that's the whole point of like an open world game, right? It's not supposed to be linear. You're supposed to explore and do all this stuff. So, um, yeah, fully supposed to live in it. Fully agree there. Speaking of the art, um, let's talk about the art style a little bit. Yes. So this was interesting. Kind of like I alluded to in the beginning, I wasn't like blown off my feet quite right away. Um, the In the opening sequence, after you uh, run away from Kotenkan the first time, when you do go through that, uh, that field of flowers, yeah, that was like, I'm like, okay, this is really fucking beautiful. Um I will say, though, it, there were a lot of moments after that where I don't know why it just wasn't really sticking for me. But as the game went on and as I got to explore more of it and just kind of live in that world a bit longer, I was like, oh, man, dang. This is really beautiful. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Yeah, it's really so There's so many moments, too, where I would just be like walking, doing whatever. And like all of a sudden, I'm just like kind of pausing. I'm like, wow, like this lighting is amazing. Like the scenery is beautiful. Yeah. Um. And in a way, too, kind of like how you're you're mentioning, you know, the art in a way plays a factor in the gameplay, too, where, you know, the way the wind looks will influence you. The um, AI and how they look will influence you if you follow mm-hmm. them or not, things like that. Um, and, yeah, it just creates this, like, enveloping world that you just want to live in and, and experience and explore more of. Um, and it's truly one of the more breathtaking games out there all around. Um but the water still looks like ass. Yeah, I was going to say the water. I like the other particle effects, though. I like the wind. I think the fog looks yeah. good. Um, the fire, good. the smoke, anything like that looked really cool. Um, the grass, dude, best grass ever, like straight up. Looks very good. Yeah, yeah. looks looks awesome. I think what's what the thing about Ghost of Tsushima is like in terms of the art style, this is I was trying to find a way to phrase this. Hopefully I can I can nail it right now. It's like. You, you look at like some games now, like like you look at something like Neon White, which uh, we we put forward in um, in our voting for for our next game, or like Oxenfree Two, right? Like there's a lot of games that are coming around Zelda. I'm gonna throw in that category as well, where it's not about the technical like limits that they're being that that's being pushed, right? It's not about like a traditional art style that's like done to its nth degree. It's about finding an art style, right? And we talk about art style a lot. That's why we call this section art style, and we talked about it extensively in the Zelda episode like that. The game is not on the technical high end in terms of graphics, but you know, it's style is so unique and it's lighting is so cool. And the cartoonishness is so great. 
Ghost of Tsushima is the absolute best version of the opposite of that. Like, if I phrase that correctly. Like, it is taking a traditional kind of normal art style. It's not trying to be all, like, different art style. It's just taking what we're used to, the look that we're used to seeing, and taking it all the way to its best possible technical quality. Yeah. It's like, um, you know what it is, Matt? This is like uh, Oppenheimer 4K, like or not 4K, like 16K, you know, IMAX resolution, just the highest possible technical quality you can get to. And it has a certain effect on the eyes and the brain. While, you know, the other games are like Barbie, where it's like not shot on IMAX cameras, 16K film or anything like that. But, but it's, it's got its own it's style. It's, 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 it's yeah. a style. It's like a different style. Yeah. So I don't know if I nailed my point. Did I land the plane there? I, I see what you're, I mean, it, this is like, there's like the cartoony, more like fun style that that looks really incredible in its own right. Games like Oxen Free, games like Zelda, even games like Hades, kind of where it's like not yeah, yeah, anything not, by Super Giant. Not like it, it's intentionally not like realist. It's, it's just it, what it is is it's realism versus non-realism. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah, the best version the best. of realism. This, this is, is the, the best version of realism. And yeah. the games like Zelda, games like Oxen Free, in my opinion. Um, which by the way, we're doing Oxen Free 2 for the next team on the podcast, which one I'm stoked for and two. Thank you all for not making me play Mario Galaxy. I wasn't looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> I was um yeah, not not gonna enjoy that one probably. But um yeah, I mean it's it's just really great examples of two opposite ends of the spectrum and they all look incredible in their own rights, and these are examples of it done really well. Um so yeah, I loved it. Uh do you have any more notes on the uh the art style? No, just uh, just what I said. I was I was really, really hoping I would nail that one. Uh, I connected with some fans back home. I think. Okay, cool. Yeah, Oppenheimer versus Barbie. That checks out. Yeah. I barely. It's just like so recency bias yeah. comparison. Yeah. I mean, or it's like it's like Fortnite versus like I <laughs> don't do you, know. What do you guys say? Sons of the Force. Oh, what? <laughs> wait, what? Sons of the Force look like ass. No, it looks good if you the new one. If it looks good, if you put it on high def. Oh, okay. I was, I think we think we should stick with Oppenheimer Barbie. Valheim versus Sons of the Forest. Those are the differences. Yeah, I'll go. No, no, it's. I I think we nailed. It. I think we got the point. I was just trying to say that this like although Ghost of Tsushima is not going to blow anybody away with its different representation of reality, it is doing the best version of, of what we think of. Of like a, what a game looks like normally, just a yes. realism thing, yes. like oriented towards that. Yeah, all that. Um, best possible version of it. Love it. Cool. Uh, sound design. Oof. All the voice actors are great. Performances are great. Yes. Um, yes. It's interesting. I was planning on playing this game in the Japanese. Dub, same. But same. The voices, not you know. The reason I couldn't play it in the Japanese dub is the same reason I don't like watching, listening to English dubs when I watch anime. Um, it's much preferable to watch something in the intended language that it was dubbed for, because the the lip flaps and the 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 voices literally not voices, but the like facial expressions literally don't match the dub over voices sometimes. So. I noticed that pretty quickly with the Japanese um, dub where I was like, oh, this is not matching their lips and that's going to bug me the whole game. So yeah. I switched. I'm not upset about it. I mean, the English performance is very good. You know, typically nine times out of 10, I mean, there's some really good, to be fair, there's some very good English dubs of anime out there. 
And there's some very good Japanese dubs of American animation as well. Like I think Spider-Man, Miles, um, the Spider-Verse movies, I think I've heard have really good Japanese dub actually. Oh, really cool. Um, but generally a good rule of thumb is to experience whatever the media and whatever um, the voice, whatever it was originally performed for, like intentionally. Um, the, the What's the word I'm looking for? The the original performers right yeah yeah no i know what yeah. you mean i mean the game the game is quite frankly animated to english so it's just and hard it's the actors too it's like their their likeness as well so. yeah yeah so yeah. no I, I totally get you there i mean i i played on kurosawa mode for a little bit and i think i got over it pretty quickly and i think as soon as i turned it off i actually got more into the game kurosawa mode is all black and white full japanese dialogue um and for those of you that don't know akira kurosawa is a very very famed Japanese samurai film director or just Japanese film director um, and kind of created a lot of the samurai look and feel a lot of the samurai tropes that we know and recognize today. And a lot of the things that goes to Tsushima is trying to really pay homage to is Akira Kurosawa. And, um, you know, fun fact, I'll go into this a little bit um, right now since we're on the topic, but even like in the cutscenes, um, I don't know if you noticed Matt, but during the cutscenes, there's those little like swipe transitions. Did you notice that? No. you know what i'm talking about so in some of the cutscenes for the game there would be like when they would show one location versus another there would be like a swipe transition that would go across the screen um uh-huh. it's just it's like an editing thing um you've seen you've seen it in star wars a million times like in the original okay. trilogy um and akira kurosawa was famous for using those transitions and then george lucas loved it and was inspired by it so much he put them in star wars so those little swipe transitions that you see in this game are homages to Akira Kurosawa, who also has inspired um, filmmakers such as George Lucas, which everyone I think that has seen and, you know, the Star Wars original trilogy multiple times. I know we got a lot of nerds in the discord. You probably know what transition I'm talking about. And uh, this game, I can, I can imagine it in Star Wars. I don't know why I just didn't notice it in the game. Yeah, it's in the game. Uh, and it's it's really cool. So that's I don't know how I got on the Akira Kurosawa thing, but oh, Kurosawa mode. <laughs> sound design yeah um yeah not well hey that's okay it looked it's all part of the game um yeah. yeah i mean the voice acting was great the soundtrack was great like i mentioned earlier the mongols chanting fucking terrifying <laughs> oh my god i hate it i hate it and i loved it at the same time did, if you know did I mean. uh you play the game with headphones at all uh no i did not on tv so i I played the game with headphones a couple of times just because i had someone over and had to kind of be quiet so i put some headphones on and plugged into my controller and wow this game was incredible on headphones um i actually wish i need to see i need to get wireless headphones like yours because the ones i got do those i know we're recording right now those give you ear sweat at all like you know what i'm talking about like when you've been wearing headphones for a while and like it sweats like right here you know what i'm talking about no, my only complaint with these headphones is, and I think this is just a headphone glasses issue. If I'm wearing headphones with glasses for too long, it'll start to like hurt above my ears a bit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, where the glasses meet my head. But I mean, these are great. I love them. And super easy wireless. I just plug the USB in whatever I want to use it in. And, and you can plug it into the PS5 and it does the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's great. lit. Okay. Send me the link for those when you can. Yeah. I'd love that. Shout out to Matherin. Matherin got me on these. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Zulu. Zulu. Yeah. Um, yeah, I played it with headphones, and they're not the best headphones, and it was incredible. Um, just riding around in the world with headphones on was you, – you can really hear the love and care that went into the the audio and just the sound design in general. Like, you could hear the, just the stream and the birds and the wind, 
and you're really transported away. Um, what's uh, what's the name of the profession that like cl- makes the sounds for like, like mimics like a horse thomping or like that's foley branches. a foley artist. Foley. Yeah, foley artist. Um, I think that's one of the most impressive things in movies or games in general. Like, yeah. Uh, the, the, those that performance does if you want to call them that or that skill set to be able to get that and make it sound and look so good amazing um it's so amazing movies video games people behind him y'all are incredible i know so and impressive. as a reminder i did say it before this game did win a bafta award for audio achievement in 2020 the year it came out so there you go. um really really good stuff from the team the audio team all behind uh ghost of tsushima at sucker punch you guys are awesome um, it did beat out. I mean, all the other ones. It beat out like Last of Us Part Two, Miles Morales, Hades, um, and for some reason, Astro's Playroom was nominated for audio achievement that year. Matt, Astro's Playroom is. I, I played a little bit of it. Um, I know it's very well received. <laughs> nominated though um, for audio achievement. It just seems like it shouldn't be in contention. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't play enough of it to have. I guess. A strong opinion on that, but I'm, yeah. I'm kind of surprised to hear that. <laughs> um, all right, anything else on sound design? No, let's let's go to NPC award, baby. I'll start. Um, go for it. I got homegirl Yuna, of course. She's the homie, teaches us everything. And I was totally shipping her and uh, and Jin the whole time. There's even that part where I think it's I think it's before it's either before the end of Act Two or before the end of Act Three where she's like. Bro, they have a look leave. yeah 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 she, she's literally like bro we could just kind of go find like a little island and chill yeah and i'm like oh sounds pretty lit jen maybe you should take that up don't they get drunk um, together at the end of act they two did and hang yeah, out yeah yeah that was cool um and yeah but they never really act on it even at the end of the game they don't really act on it but um no yuna's cool i love seeing a badass female character um and she literally teaches you how to fight from the ground up basically as the ghost and it's really all her so she's um Really, probably the most important character in this game, right next to Jin. Um, so I loved it. So cool. I went with uh, Taka for mine. Um, emotional low moment in the whole story is uh, Taka's death, and uh, just so just a cool character. Um, he, he, I he's, knew. Sorry, I'll let you finish. He, he's the one that makes sure the grappling hook too. Um, yeah, like he's yeah. actually uh, yeah, kind of integral to the story, and then he dies like he's beheaded, and it's just. It's just so fucked up and sad and uh I knew the second that um Coats and Kong gave him the sword that he was gonna try and swipe out, I'm like, Oh you idiot. I like, know, dude. That was that was rough. I, I mean he yeah. he died trying to fight back. Like he died that was that was a cool way they wrote that whole scene. Yeah, like, no, I yeah. agree. He didn't just Very, get executed. He like actually yeah. tried to fight and then lost and then died. Yeah. It was a uh, honorable death. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, I do have a fun little thing for you here. Um, I oh, yeah? put together a list. Uh, we got we got Lord Shimura, right? Jin's uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, he's sort of like the in the first act, like for a good majority of the game, he's kind of like your goal is to like save him. Obviously, like the ending with Lord Shimura and uh, Jin is like a big ending. Uh, uncles, uncles and nephews, big trope. I realized, right? I got a list of some great fictional uncles for you. Okay, I want to I want to think about who the best one because I think Shimura might be up there actually in terms of uncles. I thought his arc was really cool. I thought him and Jin's relationship was really great. So uh, I got Uncle Ben. That's the first one that came to mind too. Spider Man, right? Yep. I got uh, Uncle Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. Yep. Okay, Uncle Fester from the Adams family. Not bad. 
Scar from The Lion King. That's a good totally uncle character. Totally forgot he's their uncle. He's the uncle. Yeah, he's, he's uncle, just yeah. such a terrible guy. Um, uncle, spoiler alert for Game of Thrones, Uncle Ned Stark. Oh, he is. Isn't Fantastic he? uncle. Honestly, yeah. one of the most important uncles ever. That's Uncle um, there. Yeah, too bad that show sucked at the end. Um, and I think, Matt, I'm saving this one for last, by far the best uncle in any of fiction. Shimura is number two. This guy's number one. Uncle Iroh. Fucking, I was thinking about Uncle Iroh the other day, actually. <laughs> Uncle Iroh from Avatar The Last Airbender. Well, I have a coffee mug that has his face on it. It just says Jasmine tea. Oh, that's sick. Um, and then I forget why, but I think it was, I saw some like something Avatar somewhere on the internet and just was just mentally reliving that uh, that series for a day. But, yeah. Um, I just like, I, I kind of went down just YouTube, like, best uncle Iroh moments and uh yeah honestly just best i i I think there's probably never going to be a better uncle in like in television fiction or whatever like uncle Iroh was probably the best shimura was really cool what'd you think of him like in terms of uncle is he even up there with uncle Iroh for you i don't even think he deserves to be on the list oh shit you didn't like him i thought he was good i think it's it's cool bro he literally it's cool that like he liked his nephew i guess but it's pretty whack that he chose honor over his nephew's life I, like i, I actually kind of unforgivable for me i do i do feel that I, I get that but i i do feel that he was they they show him as a very conflicted person about the whole thing i think deep down he did feel like Jin did the right thing but he just like even at the end he's like they want me to kill you and it's like He's still conflicted about it. I don't think he's like, yo, man, I got to kill you, bro. Like, my, like, you know how it is? Like, it's not like that I get that, that easy. but, like, he still does it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. What did you choose? Did you spare him at the end or did you kill him? Uh, spared. Spared, yeah. I didn't want to give him the satisfaction. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, bro, you get to live with this. You get to live knowing I beat your ass, yeah. knowing that your son's a traitor. <laughs> nephew's a traitor, excuse me. Um, I will say, though, I did watch the... Other ending. The other ending, and it is a very touching death for Lord Shimra. Yeah. Um, do you... Not uh, with me. Not with me. <laughs> do you remember when uh, Zuko goes back to Uncle Iroh asking for forgiveness, and Iroh just says nothing hugs. and hugs him? Oh, yeah, that's literally the part just, I was thinking of. Yeah. I cry. I just... I'm crying thinking about it. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, so, man. Good. so good. Uh, all right. Companion piece pick. What you got? So I got Star Wars. Okay, I, I, yes, yes, I'm, I'm down. Um, not for the reasons you stated, but I will say that too. Okay. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think what this game does, a big part of it, obviously, well, and it's, it's just in story, but a big part of it is kind of looking at, I think, some of the, the faults of just blindly following something. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the samurai blindly are charging in, kind of like idiots. Frankly, got them all killed. Uh, mostly no but seriously like no no i know i know yeah um and honestly if they had fought lord shimura's way they probably wouldn't have even had the chance to stop coats and They probably would have all died eventually um and only when they broke through free of that did they have the chance to actually the Jin turn the tide in the fight and then in star wars it's kind of a similar thing you know the the jedi are basically just space samurai that's exactly right. Strict, they have a super strict code, you know, the force doing all this. And like, 
if they were just willing to like break the rules a little bit and just like basically be not light, not dark, but gray, you know, just like gray, like all conflict in the show could be avoided really. You know, it's, it's very silly that they sort everything into black and white. And the same thing with samurai that it's black and white honor or no honor. Um, and with the star Wars light or dark, you know, um, follow the Jedi code or don't, you know, it's, um, I think those things go hand in hand. I think there's some very clear inspirations from, from, um, love it from that on star Wars. So see you're a results oriented guy, Matt. I know that you're with a uh, gin on this one. Oh, for sure. bro. You're probably with Han Solo too. Han Solo is my guy, yeah. bro. Harrison Ford. Shoot. <laughs> um, I got Samurai Champloo for my companion piece pick. Uh, this is a childhood favorite. Used to watch it on adult swim back in the day. Uh, samurai anime, uh, made by the same creator as, uh, cowboy bebop. I'm not sure if you knew that, Matt. Um, I did. Know that. I, yeah. I need. I need to watch Champloo. Champloo is really cool. I know you're not the biggest soundtracks. Uh, banger though. Yeah, I know you're not the biggest uh, bebop fan, uh, but uh, the genre mix. It's like bebop is like sci-fi and jazz. Samurai Champloo is samurais and hip hop. You know, and yeah. the soundtrack is complete banger. Is um, it? Is it serialized? Is it more episodic like Champloo or like? Uh, there is an overarching story, but it is pretty episodic. Okay, um, so kind of similar to Beepop in that. Then, yeah, yeah. There is an overall story though. At the end of the day, and um, the two main characters are just all timers. They're they're classic characters for sure. They're they're probably cooler characters than than the side characters in Bebop. They're probably better than all the Bebop characters except for Spike himself, in my opinion. Okay, um, okay. Not to draw like all the comparison, but Samurai Champloo is just a, a complete sick show. Um, so yeah, uh, that's my piece there. A uh, little side action here, Matt. Ghost of Tsushima is getting a movie. Did you know this? I didn't, actually. Yeah, the script is, has... What's the slate on that? So the script was turned in last year, um, and the director slated to direct is Chad Stahelski. Uh, the director of the John Wick movies. So actually a pretty solid action director is attached. Um, honestly, it's TBD uh, for when it's coming out. It's going to be a very long time. I'm thinking three, four years, at least. Uh, SAG, WGA strikes. They're not even going to start shooting this for a while. If they even, maybe they shot a little, I don't know what they would have done between now and the script being turned in in April of 2022. Um, probably nothing, but man, there's, there's just, the strike's not ending anytime soon. Just spoiler for people that have been paying attention or not paying attention. And, uh, I don't think this movie is starting real production until late next year, which means it's probably not coming out for another two years after that. Looks like most of what he's done was to the John Wick movies and then a movie called Day Shift mm -hmm. and then Ballerina. Huh. I mean, John Wick, man. Good movies. I know you just I, saw John um, Wick one recently. I, I, I'm finally watching them. Um, I watched, you see two yet? I did. I saw John. I saw the first one a couple weeks ago. And then um, over on Friday night or sometime last week, I forget when, I watched John Wick Chapter 2. Okay. And it was very good. Very good. Yeah, they're, two's they're good. fun. Let me know when you watch three. I'm curious on your thoughts on three. Um, okay. It's a three's like, pretty overboard <laughs> like, really yeah for for me um and i haven't seen four yet i gotta catch that one i know I, although i know hot mickey loves that one you know he is john wick so that's interesting because i already kind of felt like the other two were a bit overboard sometimes <laughs> really damn i thought the first one is just i mean incredible. i i like that though like i'm not upset about it personally <laughs> but i can see i can understand critiques of it for sure but favorite cool. moment 
Favorite moment. Uh, I really enjoyed the the poison mission because that was. I feel like where Jin really embraced the ghost and finally was like, "Uncle, you're you're stupid. I'm gonna do my thing." Yeah. Um, and then I really enjoyed the ending with Jin's father because that or Jin's uncle, excuse me, because I, I didn't. I actually did not expect expect that at all. Visually, it was really stunning. Yeah, I think that ending. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, I really expected the game to just end with Koten Khan's death and then like you just be like an outlaw chased by Jin's or by Lord Sok Shimura. I didn't expect to actually have that confrontation. So that was cool. Uh, I loved sicko mode. Uh, that was for me, my favorite moment. I've man, it was just, it was just so sick when it kicked in. Like I thought that the, it, it happens at a really sick point in the game. It happens like more than halfway through. You've kind of unlocked a lot of different things, like a lot of systems. You've probably unlocked most of the ghost weapons at that point. All the stances, probably if you've done a little bit of side quest content and all of a sudden in a mainline mission in the middle of a fight, you unlock ghost mode where you like everything goes black and white the wind blows and everybody all of a sudden the animations change on all the enemies and then like you slice like you one shot everybody but when you one shot them you dismember them like you cut legs off you cut arms off there's blood everywhere it's like such sick classic samurai cinema stuff and i i just loved it i think it changed the way i played the game i started like everything went towards like sicko mode like i just fucking like would assassinate like three people run up kunai like spam kunais till i got three kills right there smoke bomb chain assassinated people activated ghost mode and then all of a sudden like i killed 20 people in like 30 seconds and that for me was when the game got just took it over the edge and it was so fun yeah all right nitpicks uh didn't care for the blowgun really yeah, did not care for the blowgun. Basically, Why? did not use it. I don't know. Just I had bows and arrows. I like could assassinate people. I had kunai. I I just felt like it was like, I just didn't get any use out of it. Okay, okay. Yeah. I liked it. Um, it was annoying to have to collect the flowers for it, but I, yeah. I thought it was fun. Um, I liked seeing just how scared all the the ones around them got. I enjoyed that. Um, all the enemies around them, the one they blow darted. But yeah, that's a fair point. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of thought the combat was slow to pick up personally, just in the beginning. I think it only really opens up once you start getting a few of the ghost weapons, mm-hmm. but, um, that's really it on my end. And then, I mean, just the water looked bad. <laughs> really hate that water. I, I just bring it up. Cause like, I'm just, it, it, at least for me, it, it's just such a contrast to how good the rest of the game looks. Maybe I'm overreacting. I don't know. But I, really, I personally didn't really think it looked that bad. I, I didn't think it looked that bad. But well, I'm a hater. Uh, <laughs> alternate names for this game. This was a fun one. Um, I, I normally get kind of fun with these, but I was having trouble thinking of any good ones. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything super funny. I got honor and blood. I got steel, yeah. blood, and honor. I, just, I, just think I was on the blood and honor thing in this one. I got the death of honor. Okay, you come up with the honor thing. Oh, honor, honor's end. That's honor's sick. End. That's fire. That's I'm sick. Yeah, sure write that down. Yeah, that. send that. <laughs> write that down. Write that down. Um, I got the Last Samurai starring starring Tom Cruise. <laughs> I thought that too. I was like, oh shit. Uh, have you seen that movie? Is it any good? Fuck no. I mean, I just I I I have a feeling it's okay, but I don't know. It's just like it's so. I forget weird. who it is, but someone you and I both know really likes that movie. But I forget who it is. It's just weird. Maybe it's able. Maybe I don't know if it's like a modern lens for it. It's just 
feels if you just look at the movie poster it's like tom cruise's face it's called the last samurai and there's like Japanese lettering all over the poster and it just feels so like icky to I don't know if it's a modern thing maybe I'm just like being snowflakey about it but I I have a feeling for back then it was probably a little bit weird to have like a movie called The Last Samurai starring American guy Tom Cruise American everyman just felt weird although Hans Zimmer did the music for it so that's pretty cool and the movie did make a bunch of money so there's that it's decent reviews. It's got a seven point eight on IMDb and a sixty six on Rotten Tomatoes. What's it got on Letterbox though? Let me see. The Last Samurai Letterbox, dude. That's where the real ratings are. 3. It's got 6. a three point six. Okay, that's uh, that's not terrible actually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the the top review for it just says the first weeaboo. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I gotta, oh, I gotta get back on my letterbox gear. I haven't been keeping that up. Um, but yeah, so I had Death of Honor, and then I just came up with Honor's End, and then I had the Samurai's High Q. That's another one. Uh, all right, final conclusive thoughts. Uh, this earns my Segoy of approval. Lucas, does this earn your seal of approval? Yep. You good, boss? Sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Have some water. Take a breather. You earned it. Oh my god! I had to go on mute for a second. I just—I don't know if you saw me. Did you see me? I heard like a, like <clears throat> a sneeze or something, oh. and it went on mute, and I was like, "Oh, there goes the." <laughs> oh, I just like I—I I read the first Weeaboo thing and just laughed, and then like just saliva went down the wrong pipe, and just <laughs> Jesus, dude, I love I that when like you choke it. choking on your own saliva is like you love that. It's the funniest <laughs> thing, bro. It's just like oh, I'm oh. glitching. I'm, it's like. It's like a literal human glitch. Like yeah. on your own side. <laughs> it shouldn't. Why? Why can our bodies even do that? That doesn't make that. That's a big yeah, flaw. That's kind of <clears throat> that's so fun. That's so funny. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, seal of approval. Absolutely. Yeah. Stunning game. Tons of content. Core gameplay mechanics are all awesome. I love the homage to everything samurai cinema related. The Kurosawa stuff. Uh, and I loved how this game just let us live through cinematic, iconic Japanese samurai movements. And let us discover those moments on our own. Love it. Did you know there was a Keanu Reeves movie where he played a Ronin? Was that the last Ronin? Was it 47 that one? Ronin. 47 Ronin. Yeah. I actually heard that movie's kind of cool. You have to check it out. I, I just got linked to it. I <clears throat> Anyways, moving on. Um, all right. Well, we've, yeah. I, so go for for me. Really echo everything Lucas said. Um, it's very well done. I think it's a great example of a good modern AAA title because that's not always guaranteed these days. Really, it's not. Yeah. Uh, all right. We have reached the point where Lucas and I will each give our ratings out of 10. We will then add them up and average the score out of... Well, yeah, we do the average now. So <laughs> uh, 20 divided by 2 will be the score. Um, and this is the ultimate gamer score that absorbs everything else from IGN to Metascore to even Letterboxd if they ever try and talk games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Lucas, on the count of three. One, two, three, nine. Ten. Ten wow. Really? Ten for me. Yes, sir. Okay. <clears throat> the water really nine. killed it, huh? I feel like it. No, it was more so that I thought the beginning was a little the slow, slow beginning. Yeah. Yeah. If that yeah. if that had been amended, it would have been a ten for me. But um, nine's very good. It's, it nine is very good. Close to a ten. 
It's very close yeah. To Honestly, have like totally worth playing. I know it might be difficult for some people to play this game, but when you get the chance, when you know this generation gets a little bit easier in terms of barrier to entry, and this game is available for forty bucks used or thirty bucks like on a sale, get it, play it. You will love it, love it, love it. Um, honestly, as far as AAA to open world titles go, this is as good as it gets uh, without being named Zelda or Cyberpunk. Well, I think if you I have guess. the the PlayStation Plus right now, I think it's it's included in that, right? That's yeah. How it. yeah. Yeah. So if you have the PS5, worth maybe getting a month of PlayStation Plus just to play Ghost because it's a very good game. Yeah. So exciting times ahead for us, Matt. We are playing Oxenfree 2 for our next game, uh, getting ourselves really yeah. excited for uh, Halloween, which is coming up in about two months. Can you believe that? It's flying yeah, by. I'm excited. We'll have a couple. I don't know. I mean, I haven't played this Oxenfree 2 yet, but the last one was had a sort of spooky air to it. So I'm excited to jump into this one. Uh, and we'll probably end up playing at least one other spooky game for October. Yeah. That's what we typically do, and Luke's and I have a fun tradition of we play either like... Um, God, we're going to play some booty-ass game. What's, what's the studio behind Until Dawn? I forget. I forget. Uh, super Massive Games. We usually play a Super Massive Game game because um, they're like multiplayer, <clears throat> just choose your own adventure, not multiplayer, but we make them co-op, choose your own adventure games. So if you remember last year we played the Cory. Um, and there's definitely some other options we can play there, like some of the dark pictures anthology. And, um, yeah, well, what Matt means is we get drunk like three different nights and just play play through and just like laugh, laugh at how campy and like shitty some of the game is. And like, it's, it is a great time, Matt. It has become a really fantastic tradition. This will be the third year doing it. So that's happening in less than two months. Now we're going to be doing that. Um, I, for one, I just want to take this time here at the end of this podcast episode. Uh, I love when things change to Halloween season. The change to fall, I know it's cliche. It's my favorite thing ever. There's a lot of little traditions I have with people, me and you, Matt. Halloween party that I'm going to be throwing, second annual Halloween party in my backyard. Very excited. Um, And also, I just love when it gets darker earlier. I love the night. What could I say? So I think Oxenfree 2 is really going to get me in the zone. I'm just excited to turn off all the lights and play that game this week. Yeah, I, I enjoy the fall as well. Yeah, we're still only his summer here, baby. But uh, well, this is August 14th. But man, time's moving quick. Time's moving it very quick. Is. That's it is. That's kind of crazy. Um, all right, everyone. Well, uh, as always... You know, I don't have any repeat. I already said where to find the podcast. Um, <laughs> go, go listen to the podcast or go find the podcast online. Come hang on the Discord. It's the best place to reach myself and Lucas, as well as the other cast members of TFP. We'd love to talk to you. Um, come hang out. It's a great time. Uh, all right, everyone. This has been. Thanks for playing. Catch you next time. Scooby Bop. Thanks for playing is a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch and Red Circle. 